<laughs> there is no way. Mike, I will personally do 10 push-ups if you get this question. Oh, Google, Google, Google. <laughs> what is the standard width of a seam? A seam. S-E-A-M. Come on, buttonhole. You got this. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't go stop on a girl like 516. That's too small. You think so? Quick. I think 17, 30 seconds. <laughs> Ed, Ed says five eighths of an inch, and now you know what? I like it. Five eighths? Okay. Five okay. Eighths. Five eighths. Five eighths. <laughs> it is? Yeah! yeah Ed, he joins the game and he wins. Compromise? Yeah! Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First, we suit up and choose our weapon to gain the glory of the tournament in Ivanhoe. Next up, we get our grout on as we lay gorgeous tile patterns in Azul. And are the differences between men and women so trivial? We find out in Battle of the Sexes. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, and I was playing Axis and Allies before most of you were born. I'm Ed Povolitis. Greeting, poor lord. I'm Joe Unfried. Welcome to Which Game First, where all the world's a stage. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and when I was little, I wrecked my copy of Candyland in an effort to make it more fun. <laughs> oh, did it work? It was more fun. <laughs> Although my mom was really mad about all the magic markers. Hey, Evan, do you know what Patreon is? Yes, you find it in a chemistry lab. It's a small dish for growing bacteria. It's so close. Actually, it's a way for our listeners to support the show. For just $3 a month, you get exclusive episodes and bonus content like interviews and Discord date chats with our panelists. Tell me what to do, Celeste. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. All right. Our first game up this week is Ivanhoe, designed by Reiner Nesia, published by GMT Games in 2000. Number of players, 2 to 5, ages 10 and up, runtime, 20 to 60 minutes. Wow, Reiner Nesia. We've played a lot of games designed by him. What do they have, him chained in the back room or something, just <laughs> cranking out games? <laughs> wow. really starting to feel ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were all at the table for this game. Evan, what did you think? The year of our Lord, 1194, and that Ivanhoe's about, we're going to have a bit of the old joust with playing cards, we is. Ed, how about you? Concede? Ha! It's just a flesh wound. Come here so I can bite your leg off. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about you? That's a game that seems politely violent, so I'm looking forward to it. And Joe, how about you? This game is not to be confused with the Ivanhoe game designed by George Swinnerton Parker and Company back in 1886, just three years after games started being published by Parker Brothers. Get out. <laughs> I mean, there was a game called Ivanhoe. I want to play it now. <laughs> Organized very differently from, from this game. But, I wonder if, yes. it, if it was in the public domain back in 1886. It must have been, right? No licensing fees back then, even? <laughs> I mean, it's a really old story, so I'm sure the name was available. Yeah, Sir Walter Scott's Ivanhoe was uh, 1819. <laughs> now, GMT Games is known for its long-scale battle games with itty-bitty pieces to move around the Earth Tone maps. So this sleek and attractive, fast-paced card game about medieval tournaments was a delightful surprise to me. Joe, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. Each player takes the part of a knight taking part in a series of tournaments. 
And each one of those revolves around something like jousting, axe fighting, fencing, or fisticuffs. Uh, most cards have a color indicating the kind of tournament. Like green indicates fisticuffs, for example. And other cards are good all the time. Most cards also have a number which indicate the strength the card adds to your total score for a given tournament. If you end any tournament with the high score, you grab a victory token of the appropriate color to indicate that you've won that kind of tournament. The object of the game is to collect the required victory tokens to satisfy the win conditions, and those vary depending on how many people are playing. White cards are supporters, which can be used to support you in any sort of tournament. Uh, supporters with a value of six are maidens, of which you can, unfortunately, have only one in play at a time. Yeah, only one maiden per hero. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want those ladies getting jealous. <laughs> do they, like, throw their handkerchief at you or something like that to uh, to give you their favor? Of course they do, yes. I've, absolutely, and more. <laughs> Sir Michael, here's your kerchief. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this game was reminiscent of, a little bit reminiscent of Uno, uh, in that, you know, colors changed and that actually yeah. affected mechanics. Uh, yeah, but uh -huh. that that's where the comparison ends. Withdraw. Withdraw. Did you draw your card? I did draw that's my the card. important part. Ah. Mm -hmm. What draw. color is this tournament? It is red, and the tournament color is... We are battling red. with red. swords. The tournament color shall be red. S-words. You're battling with S-words. Blue is right out. So shall be the tournament color. The tournament color shall be red. It was a nice game, and this wasn't just a skin. The um, tournament theme felt very important to the mechanics of the game. I agree. Like the, the action cards, for example, Break Lance, which the opponent must discard all the purple cards from its display. So, in other words, it's like a real tournament in the fact that you break your lance and then you move on to, like, the sword or something like that. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yep. The special ability cards are very on theme. And they're cool because they do affect how you're going to play the game, such as Break Lance or my favorite, which was Disgrace, where ah, everybody ooh. has to <laughs> – basically, <laughs> it's all of these supporter cards abandon you. And not just you, but everybody. Like somehow there was a tournament disgrace and everybody's supporters are gone. <laughs> that was cool. So did you guys, since I didn't actually play, I just kind of watched, did you guys find that having a lot of those support cards was really helpful or was it good to have a couple of those and like more of the tournament cards with the numbers on them? It depends. You want to mix. Yeah, you want to mix. You want hopefully some of those cards that can counter some of the other action cards that are flying your way, which which will be to your detriment. Are there ones that are just direct counters, or is it stuff that, by its nature of what it does, it counters what the other person did? Well, there, there is a shield, for example, and shield, uh -huh. basically, while you have it in front of you, um, you can't be affected by those action cards. Oh, wow. That sounds strong. But I mean, it's only for that one contest, though. Oh, okay. Like, even though the action cards are fun and strong, important the concept is that you only draw at the beginning of your turn, and you can play as many cards as you want, but you don't get to draw extra cards for playing. Oh, yeah. You go and then drop a bunch of cards down in order to change the fight. All of a sudden, for the next combat, you're down two, three cards compared to everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. It's easy to win that first tournament by using up all of your cards, but then you have nothing for the next tournament. Right. <laughs> Except for Ed, who always seemed to have 13 <laughs> cards in his hand. I know! <laughs> We're talking about Ed here. Ed, certainly just the right card. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would generally play no more than one or two cards every time. 
Yeah, really. Short sleeves for Ed only. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember playing my Maiden, and then I think the next action card that came out was something like, uh, remove the last card you played or something like There goes my six-point support Ouch. card. Bye-bye, Maiden. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it's, it's just as important to know when to play a card as it is to hold the card back. I liked the swinginess in the Turns of Fortune. Oh, it was swingy. It was swingy. And I like that in a game <laughs> where it's like all of a sudden you're on top of the world and the next moment you're compl- like, how the heck did I lose that turn? Yeah, like a judo move. Like, blam! <laughs> <laughs> yes. You go from 13 points to three points in, a, in one card. Ouch. <laughs> it's rough. Wow. Some games swinginess is okay. It seems like this game is one of those examples. It's, it's on theme in my mm-hmm. mind. You know, it felt to me, it felt to me like oh that could happen you know you could feel like you're crushing it in the tournament and then all of a sudden you just something goes wrong your weapon malfunctions your supporters leave i don't know why apparently it's just me i had a hard time sort of linking up this genre this action with the game mechanics themselves I, i was concentrating more on the numbers, the colors, and trying to anticipate what, how I'm going to get screwed when the next card gets played, <laughs> yeah. rather than rather than focusing on if I'm swinging a morning star or if I'm fighting him with fists. Or- That's kind of something I noticed, Evan. Is like I, there didn't seem to be a lot of difference in the play between the different types of tournaments, except for I think fisticuffs. Everything was worth one. But yeah, fisticuffs. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a difference in the numbers, Brad. For example, in the jousting, the numbers were generally on the higher side. And as you notice, the green, now all the numbers were just one. And morning stars were just a bit lower than uh, the action far as numbers goes. I guess they're trying to imply that knights couldn't box their way out of a paper bag. (laughs) I don't know how true that actually was. Well, hey, look at it this way, Joe. They were only fighting other knights. (laughs) Yeah. They're both in the same paper bag, so it didn't matter. (laughs) For me, I didn't feel the same connection, I think, that Ed and Celeste might have. You didn't think the theme weighed heavily enough on the mechanics? Not enough. Not enough. And and the art was okay. I, I thought it was not breathtaking. I was not entirely making the connection between the theme and the gameplay itself. I think part of that maybe had to do with the art. I agree in that it was very straightforward, very clean. It looked like the art you would see in a reference book. So, I mean, it was super accurate. And I think that speaks to the game company. Mm -hmm. GMT cares about accuracy uh, a lot. I thought it was very nice. I mean, seeing uh, a knight in armor wielding a sword or... Uh, a knight on a horse. Yeah, no background detail, no mountains or, you know, hills or fire-breathing dragons or anything. But but they had Maiden's <laughs> Fair, just no dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be for the Game of Thrones edition. Ooh. I think the ebb and flow of the card play is very interesting because it's a, um, the hand manager is very important. You only draw at the beginning of your turn. If you win the tournament, you start the next tournament right away without drawing another card. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of like the first night movie where it's like, hurry up, you're late for your next your next tournament, you know? So it's like, (laughs) you've got to grab those laurels and go. So I got there a little bit late. How long was the actual full game? How long? 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes it took us. I liked that you could get right into this game very fast. The rules were simple and quick. And actually very well written. You can learn the rules of this game, play it multiple times on your game night, and still get to bed at a decent hour. Yeah. That's nice. All right. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Ivanhoe. Mike, how about you? I didn't get to play, so I'll withhold my judgment, but it seems like it's worth a joust or two. Evan, how about you? 
I'm a fan of the genre and the period of time, but the theme didn't seem to blend too well with the game mechanics for me. I'm 50-50 on the game, but I'm giving it a nod. I'll say dig it up. Okay. Ed, how about you? A fun light card game worth digging up. Now mount your horse, young knight, for it's time to joust. <laughs> and Joe, how about you? The art on the cards is consistently good. Most of the cards are just colors showing when they can be played and numbers showing the relative strength. And even the trick cards are easy to understand. That's why I think it's worth digging up. And I'm definitely digging this game up. I liked it uh, in concept. I liked the theme. It worked for me on a lot of levels. Um, strategy was good. Fun game. Joe, where can you find it? Uh, you can find this online or occasionally at one of the big box stores for about $25. And if you have thoughts about Ivanhoe, we would love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. Our next game up this week is Azul, designed by Michael Kiesling, published by Next Move and Plan B Games in 2017. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 8 and up. Runtime, 30 to 45 minutes. We were all at the table for this game. Joe, what did you think? This game makes my top three for the most visually appealing games I've ever played for this podcast, along with Lanterns and Century Spice Road. Evan, how about you? You are a tilist, that is, a tile-laying artist. Put together the best patterns to achieve glory and victory. Mike, how about you? I've been hearing the hype about this game for a while and hoping it could live up to it. Ed, how about you? Put down those brushes. For I have returned from Alhambra, and only to find it as will do for my walls. The luxurious look and feel of these game pieces really set the scene for me. I was ready to make the most decorative wall I could for my king's palace. Ed, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Azul, players take turn drafting colored tiles from supplier to their player board. At the end of each round, players score points based on how they place their tile to decorate the palace and lose points for wasting tiles. At the end of the game, bonus points are scored for certain patterns and completing sets. The player with the most points at the end of the game wins. It's simple to learn how the pieces move or how to put them on the board, but there's a lot of complex strategy that, to go along with that. First, you put the tiles in a line. So you, you try and grab the tiles you need off of a selection of tiles. And then you place them in a line. And once you have enough tiles in a line, you can then put put one on the wall. And I thought, oh, well, really, it's just sort of a lining up game and you got to get enough of each one. But then I started to think, actually, it really does go along with the theme. It felt to me like the mason who was building this had to get enough supplies. So I had second thoughts about that. I thought it, it worked really well with the theme. And as you're choosing your tiles as you play the game, you're at the same time pulling tiles that not only you need, but you don't need. And what you do with the tiles that you don't need can have an impact on how you play, how your score is affected as well. Yeah, one thing I really liked about the game is when you first start playing, you're like, okay, I'm just you know, getting what I need to put here. But then you'll realize, wait a minute, I get points for doing it this way. So if I do this before I do that, I'll score more points. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you'll say, well, in order to do that, I need these tiles. And you'll notice, wait a minute, those guys are snagging those tiles before I do. I better get those before they do. Yeah, of course, I uh, wasted way too much time and effort going for like an epic score lineup <laughs> rather than thinking of like a bunch of ways that I could potentially win the game. <laughs> so you went for mm -hmm. like big points rather than like a bunch of little points? Yeah, well, there saying? was one achievement that was really hard to accomplish in the game. It was like getting a, a vertical line 
of yeah, 10. Yeah, the vertical row was yeah, worth seven points. Yeah, it was oh, seven yeah. points, which is a huge amount of points for this game. And I just wanted to do it. I kind of sacrificed a bunch of other opportunities to get a good amount of points to achieve that, like I always do in games like this. Yeah, with my first time playing the game, I was wondering what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. I was you know, I was, was not imagining winning. I just wanted to get the biggest potential single score in the game, which was foolish. Sure. Some, I mean, someone's got to take the road less traveled on those things and go for the big points. You know? <laughs> Thanks. How difficult would you say it is to predict what the way the tiles will shake out? I was worried constantly about missing out on the tiles I needed, that thinking they would end up in the center before I even got a chance to grab them. Somebody else would dump them off. I usually break down mathematics in a game while I'm playing it. This one, I didn't really care too much about it because I was so distracted by how nice everything looked. <laughs> you had the same problem I had in Lanterns. You were like, ooh, pretty. Yeah, I got totally distracted. <laughs> this is a very pretty game. It's beautiful. Uh, they have 100 tiles in an awesome-looking uh, linen bag. These are high-gloss tiles. They're heavy in feel. They're smooth in texture. They don't feel like ceramic tiles, uh, but they do feel really nice. And they've evoked a spirit and intention of beauty and design. And they are, they are the exact size of a Starburst. <laughs> Which was a problem for, for me because I kept thinking, oh, candy, I want candy. <laughs> you think about candy a lot and we're playing game seven. It's these damn, I know, the camels <laughs> look like little, you know, sweet tart things and these look like the Starbursts. Uh. So maybe they should add a new warning to the game boxes like, caution, pieces look like candy. Caution, Evan, colon. <laughs> In some games, I have a problem with a bunch of different paths to victory. Uh, especially if the paths do not, to me, coincide with the theme of the game. I thought in this game, the paths to victory, all the different ways to get little victory points, uh, worked really well with the theme of designing a wall. Yeah. My mm -hmm. only complaint about tracking victory points was the location of the tracker on your board. So each person has an individual board and they design their wall building off of the tiles onto their own little wall on their game board. But at the top of the game board is your victory tracker. And I felt that the position of it on top of the board was a problem. It was distracting to me. I wanted to focus more on the hmm. wall. It took up too much space on the board. And also you had to reach over it to the center of the table to get your tiles. And it was just sort of in the way. Yeah. A lot of times a game like that will have a central board where you have a score tracker that everybody's on. But this game, the center of the board is all the cool looking tiles. Instead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think just putting it on the bottom of the board would have helped a lot, and I didn't think it mm. needed to be as big. But that's where your penalty markers went to the bottom of your yeah, board. Penalties. Yeah, penalties. <laughs> Wasted tiles. I know you love that, Mike. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> this game really does depend heavily on being efficient, which is something I like to do in a game. Yeah. And uh, you could feel oh. the pressure of that in this game with negative points at the bottom. I so want the blue, but I, I, if I take those, I gotta waste three blue tiles. <laughs> That's money, man. That's a lot of money. Wait, you're wasting tiles. It was. It's interesting how those tiles actually build up on you, too, because there's kind of a draft mechanic almost where you take the tiles you need off of one of the circles and the rest of the tiles go into the middle mm. and mm -hmm. eventually a bunch of tiles build up in the middle and if you want that blue one if nobody's been choosing blue you'll end up with a ton of blue ones in the center and you'll be forced to take all of them yep 
which might be good if you have a big row of the fillers. Like, oh, I can get all five blues in one spot. But if uh-huh. you only need two blue tiles, you're wasting three more blue tiles. It's like you desperately need a blue. And so the merchant uh-huh. that you go to to get your blue tiles is gouging you by saying, sorry, I can only sell the lot. <laughs> Bulk pricing only. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a good way to keep everybody engaged because you can use that mechanic to kind of mess somebody up. Like, oh, Evan definitely needs blue. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take mm-hmm. the other tiles around and fill up too many blue in the center and make him get a lot of negative points. So Damn it, you, Mike. <laughs> it's a great mechanic for making everybody pay attention to everybody else's turn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And beware being the first person to take from that center pool of tiles because along with it, you get a minus one tile. Yeah, and the first person to pick next turn down. Right, yep. right. But some of us uh, lost the game by that one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just one point, <laughs> Evan. 39 plus 12 is 51. 51. Minus Five. one. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. 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 Yes. Minus one well did it. Wow. wow. She was, was waiting. Like, like waiting. Like, like, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> one little point. It's not going <laughs> to matter. <laughs> right, exactly. And it was on my first, the first time I, I had the chance to take it. And I did. I'm like, what is this one point going to matter? I'll be great later on. Uh-huh. My, that cost me the game. <laughs> it was so sweet. Point so great. sweet for me. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. It's a, it was a cool way to lose, I assure you. <laughs> I'd also like to mention that I like how the players' game boards are double-sided in a way that mm-hmm. allows a different set of scoring conventions. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, if, you're if right. If you played the game a few times and you want to try it a different way, you, know, you just mm-hmm. flip, flip the board over. Mm-hmm. Flip the board over and make your own pattern. Yeah, I, I think I would have preferred the freestyle version, but it was still really, really fun the way it was. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Azul. Joe, how about you? The mere physical beauty of this game's playing pieces makes it worth considering as a purchase. The pieces are very thoughtfully designed, as well as the rules, and if you have even a slight preference for games with an intricate, fascinating look, you should dig this up. Evan, how about you? This game was enjoyable on every level. I think it's a treasure and great for family game night. Must dig up. Mike, how about you? The healthy amount of strategic choices, clever draft mechanics, and pleasant look of the game made me want to dig it up. Ed, how about you? It's a very colorful and pretty game to look at while engaging you to divide the best pattern for victory. <laughs> dig it up. <laughs> Definite dig up. A theme significantly informed play. Very nice to look at. Easy to start. Easy to learn. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? The game is generally available at most hobby stores, some department stores, and online. It retails for about 40 bucks. If you have thoughts about Azul, we would love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. Give us a shout. Our last game up this week is Battle of the Sexes. No designer credits, published by Imagination Games in 1997. Number of players, two to eight. Ages adult. Runtime, 45 minutes. Us and some guests were at the table for this game. Evan, Mm. what did you think? It's those who identify as guys versus those who identify as girls in a throwback game that'll make you think, what the ever-living fudge? (laughs) Let battle commence. Ed, how about you? How many quarters are there in hockey? (laughs) (laughs) What? That was from the game itself. Uh, Joe? 
The art on the second edition box has a man and a woman standing in the traditional back-to-back position of duelists. Uh, the man is holding a power drill and the woman's holding a hairdryer. Does anything else need to be said? Mike, how about you? Clunky stereotypes mixed with insulting trivia questions? What could go right? (laughs) (laughs) I do not know who should be more insulted. The women for what they're expected to know or the men for the expectation that they would know none of it. (laughs) Hey, that's about right, Celeste. So true. But before we get into it, I brought this game to the table. (laughs) Thank you, Celeste. Oh, now I know who to blame. Thanks. Mia culpa. That that took guts to say. Yeah, I know. Thank you. (laughs) Even the game designer didn't even want credit for for, for designing this game. (laughs) So at least you have courage, Celeste. Yeah, my name is Celeste and I have played Battle of the Sexes. (laughs) This is essentially a simple trivia question game with a large set of question cards like you'd expect. The twist on that basic theme is that the game separates the questions by male and female expertise. Men answer the female expertise questions and women answer from the men's questions. The board is laid out so the players or teams start at opposite ends of the board and the goal is to get to the other side and back again by answering questions correctly. First team or player to do that wins. Does anybody really win, though? (laughs) No, there are no winners when playing this game. (laughs) Not even the uncredited designer. Okay, so what year was this game made? 1997. I mean, it felt like 1957 with these questions. A little bit. Oh, boy. Yeah, because apparently in 1950s, men didn't know anything about food. No, forget. <laughs> well, actually, my mom told me a story. I told her about this game. She says, yeah, back when she was in seventh grade, there was a class that was splitting the boys and the girls, and the girls would learn cooking and sewing while the boys learned woodworking and shopping. Yeah, yeah industrial and arts that, and home ed. That's yeah. essentially what this game thinks is still going on in 1997. <laughs> yeah, it came out in 97. <laughs> <laughs> I really would have been insulted if I was a man playing this game, even more than the women. Like, the idea that they weren't supposed to, they weren't expected to to know anything about sewing, about cooking, about <laughs> dishwashing home. detergent, dishwashing <laughs> detergent, <laughs> that was the greatest. <laughs> laundry. Is, I mean, come on, what laundry. Is, what is palm olive? Yeah, what is palm what is that olive? thing you put around a baby to prevent the food from getting on them? All the baby questions. The men weren't supposed to know anything about. And then all of the men's questions were sports and tools. <laughs> oh, and car. Don't forget the car question. Yeah. Tool time. Oh, God. It was such an embarrassment. Yeah. A woman can't possibly know about cars or any sports. Or, or what a <laughs> screwdriver does. And, and they go the extra mile to make them trick questions, too. And on, on top of all of that, the game took a lot longer to actually play than it needed to. Well, it doesn't need to be played at all. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's it's probably not the kind of game that you don't want to end. Oh, God. I wanted to accelerate this game as quickly as possible. It has a game board design that was was popular in the 90s where, it, where you start at opposite ends. I've seen several trivia games laid out this way. And then you're supposed to go across the board with some specialty spots on the board and then back again. That 
takes mm-hmm. an excruciatingly long time. It's, oh, yeah. It was like trivial pursuit long. <laughs> yeah. Even if you found the humor, the concept of this game humorous, uh, it was <laughs> too long. It was too long, even for those who were amused by the concept. And the board was weirdly separated by having all the trivia cards and everything in the middle of the board where you had to kind of jump over them to get to the other side of the board without any indication where your next spot would be. <laughs> it was disruptive. It's really sloppy. And another thing, if we were reading off the questions, you have like three questions on it. You can choose which one to act first. At first, we were, like, we were trying to pick the hardest one. And in the end, we were just like, all right, just read them off the top. Yeah, which ones are they going to get right? Let's try to... <laughs> <laughs> right. By the end, we were trying to figure out how to rush, how to get through the game. It was too long. I want to say I invited some guests to come and play with us because, you know, there's only one female on the panel. I thought, let's get some women when, you know, and so forth. When we had an opportunity, when Mike's girlfriend was available to play and Evan's wife, we were able to you know, field two teams. I'm sorry. I put them through it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Even the mere mention of the game gives her a straight eye roll right now. That's the last time they'll be joining us. (laughs) I did not make a good impression (laughs) 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 by bringing trotting this game out. I mean, my morbid curiosity is, was carried too far in bringing this game to the table. You've gone too far this time, (laughs) DeAngelis. And I brought pickles to penguins. Oh, my God. This was worse somehow. It was so much worse. Just insulting and sloppy. And speaking of sloppy layouts, the rules were virtually incomprehensible. This whole game feels like an afterthought, like a mass market afterthought. You'd think that a game where all you have to do is answer questions to advance forward and to get to a certain point in the board, the rules would be easy to clarify everything you need to know. But this pamphlet of rules was made the game more confusing. Oh, gosh, it was terrible. (laughs) They would have been better just having the questions to read, and then you keep points, and that's it. No board to move around or back and forth and whatever, wild cards. Forget it. Yeah, the concept of the game was all it had. Battle of the sexes, right? And yet the rules of the game allowed for men and women to be on the same team with alternating <sighs> rules and questions to be answered and a whole bunch of alternative ways to play, which which were confusing. Like, I don't even know how you would win with that setup. <laughs> the alternate game mode that existed that we thankfully didn't play allowed for capturing the other players' pieces and sending them back to the beginning of the game. Oh, why didn't we play that? <laughs> oh, God. So because if we crossed over each other every single time, we could reset the game back to start again, basically playing this piece of garbage in perpetuity. <laughs> Mike, you yeah. love going backwards in games. You love, love, love it. So bad. Here we are for the third week in a row. We're still trying to finish Battle of the Sexes. Oh, man. We've gone through all the cards and reshuffled them again. In fact, we made up some of our own trivia questions. Oh, yeah. I have no finger layers left. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at first, like in many trivia games, Celeste demands that we uh, say the answers the exact way they're written on the card. And uh, but eventually we abandoned it to expediate the game just to get it over with. Like, ah, eh, that's close enough. Let's just move on. The unclear, disorganized rules did not specify whether or not, how specific you had to be with your answers. Oh, yeah. I actually think they left that as a question at the beginning of the game for you to decide what type of game you want to play. What is a demitasse? 
Uh, it's a small cup. That's a uh, drizzle you put on food. It means like small a cup and sauce. Yes. What's your answer? It's a small porcelain cup. Is that your okay. answer? That's our answer. Half correct. Yes, small we get a half Small porcelain cup point. used to serve very strong black coffee. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We never said we had to get the exact answer. In fact, that's exactly but what that's, we said. But that's exactly this game what? That, is, that you accepted the answer being small cup. And if you think that I'm going to allow it at this point, you're crazy. <laughs> that's that. Wait, wait. If I had said a small white cup that served no, no, a dark small coffee. Really, Mike, do we want to waste time examining what might have been? Right, so we were within our rights, even by the rule standard, too. Oh, totally, but we definitely changed our mind about halfway through <laughs> because we knew it was torture to get anything wrong and not move forward. If they ever decide to publish an errata for the rules, it would be longer than the rules themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This game could very well end up being the worst game that we ever play for this show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a pretty high bar. Yeah, that is a high bar. I mean, it had all the poor design of the worst games we played and additionally added really insulting questions to that. So I don't know how you can top that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. It's, it's not very well liked on Board Game Geek either. Obviously, the antiquated notion of a gender contest itself Ugh. is pretty silly. But I mean, even that concept as a valuable time capsule might have been worth looking at. But this has no redeeming qualities. Yeah, they should be ashamed of themselves coming out with this in 97. That uncredited designer should be uh, <laughs> hanging his or her head in shame. Very wise to not credit yourself for this game. <laughs> All right. It's time to dig up or bury Battle of the Sex. Is. Joe, how about you? Okay, I'm not sure burying this game is the answer. I mean, surely there are other more viscerally satisfying ways to dispose of it involving, say, combustion. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, how about you? Time was not kind to this game. This game was bad then, and it's gotten worse over time. Bury it and spare the quicklime. <laughs> Ed, how about you? Well, in the right crowd might find some fun in this game, but they could also find a better <laughs> game. Bury it. What? <laughs> what crowd would that be? <laughs> and Mike, how about you? Guys, do yourself a favor and pretend this insulting, clumsy sewer flood does not exist. Bury it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a break, sit down for a moment while I make my husband's martini for the evening. And don't put in too much gin this time. Where's my newspaper? <laughs> I'm going to take a break from my ironing to say, bury this game. Believe it or not, this game is still widely available in stores and online for 13 to 17 bucks. If you have thoughts about Battle of the Sexes, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks or content from this show, become a supporter today. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Now. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Love them. Five stars, please. It really helps others find the show. Good news, we're now on Spotify as well. And join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media site. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Hasta la vista. Rocheta Druzia. Goodbye.